really important to give to give game that's actually making an impact right you know if i look at the if i look at the finance space and i look at uh, what other creators are talking about sure it's great for people to have the knowledge of you know um put your put your money in broad market funds um invest for the long term all that is great and that's what you should be doing but if you look at if you look at the people you're actually watching online especially when we're talking about the finance space how are they able to make all of this happen how are they how have how have a lot of these people been able to grow their wealth so significantly it's because they've been able to grow their income right and then poured back poured all that money back into their core investments right so your core investments should be those long term uh, broad market funds like we preach but at the end of the day you know you can only cut so many costs mm -hmm. right you only have so much wiggle room to like actually create a dent in your budget in terms of cost cutting. At some point, you're going to need to figure out a way to actually earn more income so that you can then take that income and then invest it properly. Right. That's just that's just something that I think is really easy free game that a lot of people just don't talk about. Welcome to the Hustle Over Everything podcast. This is the podcast where we receive stories, tips, and tactics from entrepreneurs who have done it. Today, we have a special guest in the building. You got Dan from Stefan Dan on the show. We're excited to talk about his journey. Dan, my guy, what's popping? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited. Doing, I'm excited to be Never here. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's go. <laughs> Most definitely. You know the vibes, man. You already you know. To say. You know, the, you know vibes. the vibes, yes. Whereas yes. Like a returning guest. You know I am a returning saying? guest, returning yes. Guest. One of the first um, returning guests on the show. So, yo, <laughs> how has life been since our last podcast together? Life has been really good. You know, I think the last time that I was on, I don't think I had quit my job yet. I don't think me and Steph had quit our job. So, yeah, I guess that's... That's the big news you're, since you're since then, the grind, yeah. Like uh, the Deloitte grind, nine to five, come back, <laughs> edit the pod, make some videos. Uh, at the time, like you just finished up the millennial money run from uh, CNBC. From CNBC, yep, yep. You know? Yeah, the grind, the grind was crazy. So, um, you know, me and me and Steph have been have been plotting to like actually quit the jobs and like go full on in on the content, mm -hmm. and yeah, we made it happen, and yeah, we're here, we're here today. We're super so, excited. What was your reaction when you got featured by uh, Graham Stephan? Oh, when I got featured, <laughs> that was a huge. Uh, actually, wasn't a surprise because, like, obviously at the time, Graham was really like he was popping. He was, he was on the yeah, yeah. He was pushing out those uh, millennial money reaction videos, and we knew that it was coming, so we were just waiting for it. The one that really surprised us was actually um, Patricia Bright. Shout out to Patricia Bright. Patricia Bright, like, mm -hmm. yeah, that's the one that got us. <laughs> most definitely she has a great financial channel man and it's good to d dive into her i actually be watching her with my girl you know what i'm saying like, all right let's go set some time apart and watching patricia bright you know That's what i'm saying session man most definitely and you quit your job like you said so what was that experience like quitting your job because yeah it was it was interesting right because 
um i think for a lot i think for a lot of people especially if you're going to go into like the content creation world mm -hmm. like you know some people just kind of go all in and say you know what screw it like i might not be in the best position right now uh financially but me and steph given also the fact that we have a financial channel like we wanted to make sure that we were secure financially first and like we had a, a roadmap to get us to the point where we were where we were like okay cool like we've hit these milestones and now it's time to actually quit so when we finally when we finally did quit um it was still scary just because you know you have like your family and like you know they're not necessarily involved in like the planning and the roadmap so they might think you're crazy and you know what is this especially the older people right like they might be like what is this thing that you're doing right it doesn't make sense to me you have this great job why are you quitting so it was a mix of emotions but yeah i mean at the end of the day we we had our roadmap in and we had our plan set so yeah once we once we got to a point where we felt comfortable actually taking the leap mm -hmm. it was a no-brainer let's talk about that for a quick second because a lot of our entrepreneurs want to quit their jobs to focus on their you know business full-time mm -hmm. walk us through that roadmap what were some of the key things we had to hit in order to be like all right now that we've accomplished this goal we can quit yeah well for us like we wanted to make sure that we had actually um built out a solid community of people um we wanted to make sure that we had like i guess our like proof of concept in and we at that point we had been doing it for almost what like close to two years so we had a solid base of people who knew what we were talking about they knew what we were about and on that front we all we also wanted to make sure that um from our corporate jobs we were secure financially so steph for example she had saved up close to fifty thousand dollars in the bank right um me, so you my, know you're not going to be starving yeah you, soon, you know, you know like, like shit hits the fan like i got step <laughs> she's got me. well it's funny because for me like i had literally come off of paying off my student loan debt right man i remember that yeah. you're aggressively paying that like, i was like, i was what was it like not just you know limiting your cravings for wanting to buy like some stock or investing that money and just understanding that i gotta do this mm -hmm. so i can actually properly win you know what was some what was your mentality behind that because not a lot of people yeah. have like the discipline to really i'm gonna pay my debt off first no matter how long it takes and not just have any uh, the, the bells and whistles in the front. yeah well there's a there's a lot of different approaches that a lot of people take right like for me like i took the i want to get this out of the way mm -hmm. so that it's not even it's not even in my mind it's neither here nor there um a lot of people also say you know what right now my student loans um the interest rate on that is really low i don't necessarily want to tackle that i want to just go into investing and slowly pay it off i took the opposite approach i said this is weighing on my mind and you know i'd rather pay it off i'd rather pay it off as quickly as possible and just get to get to grinding and like li actually living my life and building something so you're in the net positive yeah for me yeah. for me like i didn't i didn't want to have to think about paying off my debt even um you know, and it wasn't it wasn't that big of a sacrifice because at the end of the day, like the lifestyle that me and Steph were living at the time, like we we could find so many great things to do around the city of Toronto that didn't cost a lot of money. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the biggest struggle for a lot of people, especially coming out of school. You're you know, you come out of school, you're in this big you're in the big city and you kind of want to live a life. You want to go to bars, you want to go to restaurants, this and this and that. Um, and you can you can definitely do all that. Uh but it's just balance. And I think that's what me and Steph have more so been preaching. 
it's the you know? pressure like as you even said in one of your videos you leave business school you got like the deloitte job you got the apartment <laughs> uh all these different things of just like to signify you're doing better than your peers yeah you know it's it's interesting like for us going back to that that whole roadmap thing like we knew we knew what we wanted to get to and we had mapped out exactly what we needed to do and it was just a matter of it was just a matter of time and i think that's the biggest thing everything is just a matter of time and you know once you once you have that understanding i think the rest is all is all easy because it's not up to you right as long as you're doing what you need to do then you know it is what it is no that's a <laughs> so how's the grind been since you left you know, it's interesting because if you were to ask my parents, they would tell you that I'm chilling, right? <laughs> and they, guys, for context, Dan's parents are like Kenyan, you know, African <laughs> parents. I we, we share the same background. Yep, yeah. So I yep. know like the scrutiny he goes to in family <laughs> gatherings, you know, like you're pouring some some skooma there with some stew, some rice. <laughs> exactly. He's just like, Oh Dan, what are you doing? Oh my YouTuber. A YouTuber, what is that? What is that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your cousins, they're like a doctor, engineer. We spoke about this earlier, man. Like you're like the black sheep at that point because you're just doing things outside the norm than what is expected out of you. Yeah, it's you know, it's interesting. Like the hustle has definitely gotten um you know, I enjoy I enjoy the hustle now because I'm working on something that I really truly believe in and really care about. And I was working hard, like really hard at Deloitte as well. And, you know, obviously that showed with like whatever promotions and all that. But at the end of the day, um, the grind is definitely just intensified, but it's more personal. I would say it's more like personal goals. It's more it's more waking up each day and trying to attack these um, these goals that you set out for yourself. Less so like, you know, you have your metrics at work. Um, when you're doing your corporate nine to five and you want to, you want to hit those and, you know, you have your manager and your boss, uh, kind of, you know, keeping track of things. Once, once you go all in and you're, you know, full time in the whole content creation space, like it's literally all you, right? Mm -hmm. So you gotta, you gotta have the, um, I don't know, you have, you have to have the foresight to like actually, you know, plan yourself accordingly, wake up every morning and try and do things that are going to benefit, you know? future you yeah yeah so what's what's normal day in your life like now normal day in my life so <laughs> that looks a lot like a lot a ton of editing like i was telling you guys right before this like my life right now just revolves around editing a whole bunch of content we're you know we're trying to get out as much information and just like um trying trying to put out more real-time stuff right i think I think we're in a really interesting we've been focusing more on, on a lot of the financial content so as i'm sure you guys all know like there's a lot that's been happening in the markets and it's just like trying to trying to make sure that we're getting the information to the people mm -hmm. on a more timely basis right that's that's mainly been uh been the focus so basically i wake up um you know i have my tea i i'm i'm uh i'm not drinking coffee you still do no the more P90X? coffee what you still doing the p90x so i've been i've been slacking on the p90x um yeah, you know, I had a really, I had a really good run there, and then you know, life. Like grand opening, and then, grand closing. Yeah, basically, <laughs> basically, basically. So yeah, I usually wake up, have my tea. I'm off the coffee. Why I, off the coffee? yo, on, honestly, I just got to a point where I felt like I was really addicted to the coffee. 
is it like the coffee like, or you're addicted to like just like the smell of it like the culture you know i would say like i'm just addicted to like having a hot beverage yeah and just having that like it's in the morning i have a hot thing on my hand so sipping on it so me and steph we got to a point where we were like really into coffee and like really trying out different beans and like yeah. um trying to get trying to get strong stronger and stronger coffee that was more my vibe like just the like more strength the beans, right? yeah the more the more strength the better and it just got to a point where if i didn't have coffee my day was on honestly like almost ruined because i couldn't i couldn't think i couldn't concentrate um i would just be sitting there thinking about thinking about how i haven't had my coffee yet you know and so when it comes to like you know trying to um trying to actually get stuff done like you can't you can't do that so i, I decided to take a, a little break um last time i had coffee was on halloween um i think wow. we yeah around halloween i think we did we did breakfast with my parents so uh we had we went out to breakfast i had a whole bunch of coffee and then i just quit cold turkey had headaches for like a solid like week and a half and then yeah i've just been drinking tea ever since i'm definitely gonna go back to coffee like i'm i love coffee uh me and steph have literally like our whole vibe and our whole like a lot of videos on our channel also involve um, coffee, involve coffee. Oh, like we, yeah like we love we love coffee like I, I i truly love coffee so yeah i'll definitely get back to that but yeah you know i drink 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 my tea in the morning what do i do and then um read whatever news is happening you know i'm really tapped into like the morning brew uh the peak which is canadian the canadian version of the morning brew um so i read i read all my news in the morning and then eventually we get to actually um uh, editing or you know depending on the day me and steph will have a little like catch up to talk about what our day was looking like and then yeah that'll basically be my day i'll just edit until i can't edit anymore you know <laughs> edit until you drop. yeah basically <laughs> speaking of daily news man let's get into a bit of daily news and yeah uh, can i get back into your life so google have you heard about the split stock the yes split yes is, yes a 20 to 1 20 to 1, 20 to 1 stock split, split. yeah yeah. Talk to us about that. What's your thoughts on it? So it's interesting. Me and Steph were talking about talking about that this morning, and um, basically the incent, the idea behind them actually doing it is to uh, allow more access to for a lot of a lot more investors. Right. Right now, their stock is what at like two thousand something dollars. Right. Something like that. That's a lot. So a lot of people can't really access that. Right. So. Um, there's incentive there to get more investors to actually buy Google stock. And then there's also the incentive to actually get on the Dow Jones. So this is something that we've talked about before where um, the Dow Jones is a price weighted index, meaning that if your share price is really high, you're not going to, they're not going to allow you to get into their index because you're going to, the weighting for your company will be too much. Right? So, um, give you a quick example, right? Like if Google were to get in at 2000, 2000 a share into the Dow Jones, they would be, um, they would take up majority of the weighting. So if Google were to fall, right? Like, let's say they, they felt like Facebook did this week, a 25%, uh, fall that would greatly affect the Dow Jones. So what the Dow Jones does and Apple, um, a couple years back had to do the same thing. They had, if, if they wanted to get into the Dow Jones, they had to do a, um, a share split. They had to get down to that like hundred dollar mark. So um, I think eventually, once they actually do the twenty to one split, Google's going to be going for a hundred something dollars. That's going to be yeah. monumental for retail investors like us. It is. Exactly. It is. 
it is you're gonna you're definitely gonna see a lot of people i've been seeing a lot more people saying they're uh planning on loading the boat i'm not not too sure about that but um google's obviously a phenomenal company so uh yeah Yeah. listen we ain't no master investor shout out to dunlap you know what i'm saying so this is not financial advice let's go say that out there from from now um and how has been a given financial tips and you know given your knowledge in the space Mm -hmm. how has it been uh how have you been receptive or received by people Mm -hmm. over the last few years creating content what's that been like for you um it's been it's been an amazing feeling it's been an amazing feeling and the reason i say that is because you know for me growing up um and i i always say this right like knowledge truly is power and i i think about where my own family or like just other people that I know would be if they simply had the knowledge. And I think we're in a really great lane where it's like, we're able to provide you um, knowledge on, on finance and just like, you know, the personal finance world and how you can better yourself money wise for free. Mm -hmm. You know, like you just, you just have to go on YouTube, flip, flip on a video and you will get content that is, directly relatable to you and in a way that you can actually digest it's not like you know we're using all these crazy terms this and that and i think a lot of people appreciate that right like a lot of people just haven't had access to the markets you know like if i think about um if i think about probably our parents a lot of them i just recently got my dad out of mutual funds you know i was explaining to him how they you know we're looking at we're looking at my dad's portfolio and his return was terrible Right, but they're still getting their two percent every single year. The, the management expense, expense yeah. ratio—it's insane it's, on that, man. Yeah. It's it's abs- it's absolutely ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like you don't know better, and you also feel comfortable with what you do know. So it's like I bank with these big banks, so whatever they're telling me must be right. Um, so yeah, like I think we've had we've had a really great um, people have been really receptive to the content, and yeah, I think. I think we're in a really great lane too, where a lot of people have more access to uh, finances at their fingertips, right? Exactly. So yeah, it's it's been it's been amazing. So so one thing you've been doing is uh, you've been leaving single stocks and you've been going into ETFs mm. a lot more. This is something that you completely shifted <laughs> yeah. your mindset on. Walk us through leaving single stocks because single stocks yeah. is opportunity to win big. Yeah. But the downside of it is cost of time investing learning and of course you can't beat the market like you never know what stock is going to come so what made you decide screw the single stock investing also Seth is also in the same wave and then yeah. going to more into ETFs and index funds and etc so you know this was our this was our first year of really so 2021 was our first year of really diving into investing and I said this on one of our last quick takes where I was like the market climate that you walk into when as as a beginner investor can greatly impact how you view investing if you started investing shortly after the 2008 financial crisis the likelihood of you being a conservative investor would have been extremely high because you were walking into a mess when you're starting to invest in 2020 and 2021 when growth stocks are having the best years of their lives right like like major, major gains, a lot of people are going to be more um, aggressive investors and want to get, want to buy, load the boat with like, you know, these crazy high flying growth stocks that are 
delivering crazy growth every single year, right? So for us, for us, once again, this was our first year um, really being in the stock market and really being tapped in. And that greatly affected my approach in particular. So, you know, in the news, if you're if you're staying up to date, you're seeing that such and such company is delivering these great numbers. And that's where we see examples like like Peloton, right? Like they did extremely well during the pandemic. Man, Peloton, like, <laughs> um, you feel like you there's ma massive FOMO, like when you didn't get it, and it just skyrocketed. Mm -hmm. And then that's mm -hmm. like the fall from Greece. <laughs> Straight up. Yo, it's it is a it is a very unfortunate story, but it also goes to show you just like how how quickly things can change. And you know, that's what we're seeing with Facebook right now too, right? Like these companies had these this really big push during the pandemic and that growth just can't be sustained, right? Like it just can't it can't be sustained, right? What we're seeing, I don't know if we're seeing a pandemic push or what we're seeing Apple attack. I think mm -hmm. that's the difference. Apple is attacking Facebook mm. right now. Yeah, know? with uh, the private the privacy change. The, yeah, the privacy, the privacy change. The, the yeah. iOS 14 update, which is like, you know, causing a, a ruckus for a lot of advertisers. But also, we're seeing Facebook in the middle of a pivot. Mm. You know, right now, they're pivoting towards the metaverse, and with that, there is a lot of you know change that's happening. So yeah. the whole company isn't as focused on acquisition of new users because they're all focused on gearing up for the metaverse mm -hmm. you know you think that that that's sustainable personally what, what's your opinions on the metaverse with so Facebook? yeah it's interesting i was looking into, the, into this this morning and you know facebook is a mess and the reason i say they're a mess is because they fooled us with the whole metaverse name change uh sorry meta name change right to drive our attention away from all the scandals that they were having internally with the whistleblower and all of that right so before like go deep in the whistleblower what happened for the people who don't know who are listening what was a whistleblower scandal that from what we saw and what was actually happening so from my under from my understanding there was a lady i don't remember her name but she basically came out and said that facebook um was actually promoting hateful content um to users right because hateful content actually drives a lot more attention so you know, if you look at a lot of the atrocities that were happening happening across the world in the last couple of years, Facebook was actually adding to that by putting it in front of the masses, uh, which is really unfortunate. Yeah, that's ba that's basically what's happening. Yeah, to be honest though, that's almost any platform. Like TikTok <laughs> right now, you're gonna engage with content that makes you upset. On Twitter, it's the same thing. Because we're talking yeah. about guys with bad podcasts. You know what I'm saying? That's the new joke. The, you, you heard about this, then? Like, about the, the guys, like, like, how every guy's podcast now. It's, like a, it's, a, it's a way for us to gossip, apparently. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Especially for black men. This Especially. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, That's what's happening? Fresh and fit has <laughs> ruined it. everything. For, for black men in podcasts. It's atrocious. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm actually collecting, like, hateful comments right now. I find it hilarious. So on my Instagram stories, I'm just like posting Putting a bank of like yeah, yeah. I've seen bank. I've seen a couple of those actually. Yeah, yeah. It's hilarious, like what they're saying about guys in podcasts. But um, the reason for that though is just because how, how algorithms work, right? If yeah. You see some some uh, some piece of content that is in uh, atrocious to you. You find yeah. it hateful. Mm -hmm. You're gonna engage with it, and then the con the algorithm can see that and put more in front of your face. Yeah. So then it's gonna be a, a you know a loop of 
bad content that you hate and engage with and it just keeps going and going and going and spiraling. Yeah. So that's what any platform does. Twitter does that, TikTok does that, but Facebook is especially good at that as well. So they got exposed for that, but in reality, every company does it. Well, what's, what I was going to say is that what's interesting is that, you know, going back to them being a mess, they have, they have that side of things, right? But they are dropping the ball in terms of actual user growth, right? Oh, and also just like sustained users that are currently using their, their platforms. So big milestone for them last year was that they hit a hundred billion in total revenues, right? So that's a huge milestone for any com for, for a company to hit, but it's kind of, it's, it kind of sucks because that's all in the shadows behind everything that's been going on in their earnings call. Mark Zuckerberg apparently mentioned TikTok like five times. That's not a good sign, right? They know that TikTok is where the eyes are. And even for, for us as creators, like when me and Steph talk about the different platforms, like Instagram, Instagram sucks. Yeah. Instagram so sucks for the like, creator. Yeah, reach, man. Yeah. The reach, the actual like usability of the platform, like it's not uh, like we have so many issues. We, we just have so many issues with it. And like they they're so reactionary to what other platforms are doing. Them introducing the new subscriptions. Right. You know, Twitter so, just started doing subscriptions. Oh, Twitter's doing it, too. Now. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Twitter came out with subscriptions. So there's like a certain follower count you need. Okay. And certain amount of engagement for your content to yeah. like unlock these things like having a newsletter now to charge people. Interesting. Having donors for your for your tweets, so I can pay to get premium tweets now. Not <laughs> <laughs> so, even the biggest BS, if, bro. If I'm tweeting like some some raunchy stuff, he says you can subscribe to my like my hot okay. takes. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. That's some BS, man. I ain't no paying for nobody. <laughs> I always thought like Twitter's too good to be free. Like it's actually the to me, it's the best platform you can actually. Engage. You would pay for somebody's hot takes. Who do you pay for? Keep it a buck. I would pay for certain people who provide actual value, right? And if they actually have some tweets that are really, bro, like I would, I would pay not for tweets, but tweets that lead to like a deeper contact. So let's say a thread. Interesting. I'd pay for certain threads. So let's say Naval. Okay. You know Naval? No, I don't uh, know Naval. He, he founded uh, AngelList. Okay, okay. So he wrote like this massive thread. It's like called how to get rich. Yeah. And he spoke about like how the newly rich, they're either like in the media space. So you're creating content and videos or you mm -hmm. create tech, which it's like, uh, it's like, it's the greatest equalizer, meaning that you can make money, you can scale really quick and yeah. you can uh, create value as you sleep. It just works for you. So this is how you get rich. That is like one of the greatest threads on Twitter ever in terms of just like impact engagement reach everything it's like people have written books about it like they've included in so many pieces of content so interesting him, he has yeah. like more takes like that right okay. where it's like very insightful it's very deep and it very contrarian too like where you're thinking i'd actually pay to get more of these like pieces of wisdom because he's like, like one of these story guys on twitter but one of twitter's like biggest issues was their inability to actually monetize the platform right and the yeah. same issue that this is the same issue they had with vine right like they bought Vine, they bought Vine before TikTok ever, the TikTok was ever, um, or musically TikTok was, was ever anywhere, right? Did they buy Vine and, and Periscope at the same time? I wonder. I, but they bought it to shut it down though. Like they, they didn't buy it to like grow it. Okay, interesting. You know what I'm saying? They bought it to like have the, the to smash the competition because Vine was growing so fast. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So the people who, who got it cashed out and were like, all right, 
were out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, Twitter wasn't in it to, like... And they sold it for, like, 30 million, too. I'm just like, wow. You don't buy, like, 30 million only. Like, how, much like, did, how much did they buy it for? No, that's what Twitter bought it for, 30 mil. 30 mil. 30 mil buying. And it had, like, hundreds of... I don't, I don't say hundreds of millions, but it had... It was up there in numbers. And I think if they stuck it out for a couple more years, they would have found, like, a new way of creating content that's more resonating. They could have increased the time limit on each buying. But I saw, I saw an issue, uh, one of the issues was monetization. Like, they couldn't figure out how to monetize Vine, right? Why couldn't they ads? Is there any, anything else? Well, that's where we're at now with TikTok, right? Like, TikTok's yeah. killing, killing the game, it. right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> TikTok is killing it. And you have had amazing growth on TikTok. Like, yes, walk us yes. through, like, your, your strategy on TikTok. Because you have been, like, you were able to look at it and be like, all right, I want to do this, this, and that, and go through and sniper, kill it. <laughs> you know, so what are some of the things you, you saw that are, all right, this is some of the strategies I'm seeing work, and I'm going to apply it to my content. I think it's just, it's really important to be a student of the game. And, you know, regardless of whether, like, what we understood um, what we understood from YouTube was that if we could figure out what it was, um, how to deliver the content in the best way, um, the rest of like the metrics and all that, it's, it's all the same, right? Uh, from, from platform to platform, right? Like the viewer engagement, all that, uh, understanding those, those metrics is, is probably the easiest part, right? It's more or less understanding the best way to actually deliver the content. So we, we did a deep dive where um, Steph in particular, like she's the one who's who's really on top of like our TikToks and our Instagram reels. Um, she's the one who like kills it on that. So uh, we did a deep dive and we were looking at what what was what was doing well in our space. And what's interesting and what you'll find is that the biggest creators on TikTok in the finance space in particular are not the biggest on YouTube. It's not, it's not like a one for one, mm -hmm. right? Like if you already have a big plot, if you already have a big platform, um, like, you know, we'll throw out a name. Like if you're like Graham Stephan, for example, um, he doesn't post, he doesn't post uh, financial tips or con or that type of content on TikTok. He just posts his, his, uh, his podcast, right? So the people that are actually posting financial content on TikTok are not the same people that are posting except except for us um on uh on youtube so it was more or less just like being a student of the game seeing what's working testing it out understanding that we're not going to hit it right at you know right away and right away is different from person to person right mm -hmm. so for us you know right away meant like you know we're gonna we're gonna go all in for like let's say a month and see what happens mm -hmm. see what happens what's clicking what's not clicking mm -hmm. so it's right? all in like one TikTok a week, one TikTok a day. It's um, yeah, good question. It's it's being, it's um, it's it's whatever consistency means to you, right? So when you look at a lot of the creators in your space, if a lot of them are posting, um, whatever twice a day, um, you better be at least posting once once a day to actually see how things, um, how things are going. So for us, we were like, you know what, um, based on everything else that we have going on. We're gonna try out once a day and see how that goes. Mm -hmm. So we did once a day, once a day, along with pushing out the regular content on our other platforms. And even though it burnt us out at first, especially when you're learning the platform and you're trying to like figure out even how to just like throw on edits on the platform, right? We 
a lot of the things that we noticed was that a lot of a lot of the content that felt organic to the platform really popped off as well you know it's it's interesting because you see a lot of people um also trying the whole you know taking the tiktok video from tiktok and throwing it up on on reels you know i have this theory that they're they're just gonna like suppress it you know with like the the metadata that you're get that they're getting from like the tiktok video um obviously it's not confirmed but you know those are just some of the things that we we picked up on in that month and then once once we once we came up with a plan we tried to connect with other creators as well we went all in and just stuck with it at the end of the day everything goes back to time right if you give something if you give something enough time and you're not too eager and this is something that we deal with too right i think everyone wants results right away you're not going to see results right away right but like for you like from from watching your TikTok, like once you started posting, mm-hmm. it just seemed as if you had like a hockey stick broke. <laughs> but I, like all the videos, that's what it posted, seems like. Yeah, I guess well, that's like, what yeah, it, yeah. I'm telling you that, right? Like that's what it is. It looked like it because yeah. one minute you're like, ah, oh, we're gonna go on TikTok, three four videos, a couple thousand. Then you had, I think maybe on your tenth video, it went viral. So. Yeah. There's definitely something you're doing. That's what we're trying to say. Right? Okay. And you're saying it takes time, but I really want to challenge you on that. Like, what <laughs> took time for you? What took time? Okay, so this is why this is why I said time is relative to like the person, right? Like when you're making content, I feel like I feel like a day feels like a year sometimes, you know? Mm. And you gotta so for us, yeah, like time. It, 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 the time needs to go into you actually being a student of the game and actually studying um, your space and studying your lane. Yeah. We knew that we were we we knew we knew that we knew what we were doing on YouTube. We knew that we didn't know what we were doing on these other platforms. So we genuinely took took the time and just threw out threw out videos, you know, um, and through that research, like if you're doing your homework you know that you know that for example in your space there's this these types of formats that are really working for people and that out of all those formats at least one of them's got to work for you right Mm. right Mm -hmm. at the end of the day it's it's still like your your personality and you delivering like your your bit to it like your your flair and your your energy Mm -hmm. right and i think and i think that's one of the one of the toughest things it's also changing up how you do things depending on the on the platform and changing up your delivery. Yeah, that's funny, but that was going to be my next question because I noticed that you didn't really migrate your YouTube content to TikTok. You were like, I'm just going to create TikToks themselves mm-hmm. on the platform, mm-hmm. you know, which was like an interesting decision because now you're doubling your work ethic yep. to, to try and get that done. And you said that you burnt out trying to do that. Yeah. So like, how have you found balance in between that and do you find that sustainable yeah so you know the learning the learning curve is probably one of the toughest parts right especially in the beginning because it's like you know what you're doing on youtube you know especially if you've been on there for a minute right or on whichever your main platform is um but for us like what we always say is that the good stuff what we say on our tiktok is that the good stuff is on youtube so you might get a little snippet 
in a really like easily digestible, like quick chopped up way. Um, we might like we do a lot of skits on um, TikTok. on TikTok. So, but at the end of the day, like our goal is to get you to the main content where you're going to get the most amount of knowledge and information, which is on YouTube. Um, so, sorry, so what was it? What was the question again? <laughs> How we found balance? In balancing. Okay. Okay. Sorry. So balancing. So the learning curve for anything that you're starting out new is always going to be high. It's always going to be high. But once you get past that, those initial, that initial stage, all it is, 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 is truly just time management. Mm -hmm. Right. And not, and not trying to like over, over deliver when you know, it's not feasible, right? Like if I was to say that we're going to, we're going to do a regular YouTube schedule and we're going to push out content, but I'm also going to try and do, you know, seven TikTok videos a day. That's, that's just unrealistic, that's right? Start off. Yeah. Like even when we started off on YouTube, we did one video a week. Eventually we got to two videos and now we're eventually we're, we're now slowly, you know, whatever, almost three years in, into the, into this. Now we're trying to get into three, right? Like you have to pay, you have to pace yourself. You have to pace yourself. You're not, you're not going to get it right away. And that learning curve is going to be high. But once you get past that initial learning curve, you're, you're, you know, it's all good. Exactly. It's all good. We struggle with like going from podcast to, to podcast and YouTube. Woo! <laughs> then we got to think about that. We were posting a lot of clips on TikTok and we realized it's not really resonating. You know what I mean? It's just like, cause no one cares. You know, people want to be either entertained or educated. And I think one thing we might not be really hitting on is educating natively to TikTok. Okay, right? interesting. So my theory is like either if you have like a big following, let's say like Gary Vee, like you yeah. can take like any interview mm -hmm. and you can put it on TikTok and like it can pop, right? But if you're like a new person coming to the platform, it's like I think you really got to create high level content for TikTok. Like stop the podcast, actually make skits, make funny stuff, make quick takes that get people like oh like this is good this is good then i think you can start feeding them the content the other like content YouTube yep. and everything right so it's like high level let's create tiktok and then remind them yeah we got a podcast now. but i think like maybe as like there's one guy on linkedin he says if you have a tiktok account and it's not really doing anything it has like 200 views and you've posted 60 70 videos it's like time to reconsider a new account so I want to ask you like this, as now you've come to okay. this, is that really true? Can you come from a very low, like view account, like per, per post to come to 10, 15,000 clips? Like what goes into making a TikTok video pop, right? Does it matter? Like, does your account get like shadow banned if it's not really showcasing that it's doing much? Like, I'm just kind of confused here. So like well, what makes success on the platform? Yeah. You know, well, once again, right? Like it goes, it really goes back to being a student of whatever, whatever platform it is that you're doing. Right. You got to see, like, if I'm looking at, if I'm looking at other podcasts, for example, and certain clips, like there's certain clips that come up on my for you page, uh, that are from a podcast. And I ask myself why, what made me even like, uh, double click on that and save it for later. Or like what made me stay engaged in that particular clip. And a lot of the time, and this, this goes across the board for um, whatever, whatever niche that you're in is it's really hot, whatever they're saying, 
whatever they're saying grab grabs my attention right away mm-hmm. you know um you know like um what was i listening to the other day it was uh it was this clip where they were talking about tesla so there's this about to ask you about Tesla. Yeah, there's there's this clip where the, where this this one podcast was talking about Tesla, and I've come across his podcast page before, and I never really like thought too much of it. But this one clip had me really engaged. But it was it was the pace, like pace is really important too, right? Like these are all things that you kind of have to take you know take into consideration. The pacing of the video, like, are you getting are you are you taking too long to get to the sweet spot, to get to the good stuff? When you're talking right? about the hooks. Right? right? Like, that's so important for TikTok, especially right right away. It's got to be right away. Because if you think about it, when you're on TikTok, like when we're, you know, when we're scrolling and stuff, it's right away. Boom. It either captures captures me right away or you just keep going. Infinite scroll. Infinite yeah. scroll, right? So it either captures me right, captures me right away or I'm not, I'm not staying on. Facts. Right? Yeah. And you, you, you gotta you gotta try different things. Like if I keep doing the same thing, and it's not working, then I gotta I gotta change it up, right? Yeah, the, the definition yeah. of insanity: doing the same thing over and over, over expecting a different result. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. So let's get into some you know more stock talk. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> stock talk. You mentioned like Tesla. Yeah. Right now they're going through a chip shortage. A lot of companies are. Yep. Where do you? How do you see that affecting the companies over the next few months, bro? Yeah, it's. You know, it's interesting. So on the last earnings call, Elon talked about how the chip shortage and just supply chain issues have really, really affected the company. And a couple a couple weeks ago, we talked about um, I believe it was Toyota and GM. They've also had a lot of issues. And what's interesting when I was actually doing a deep dive into this, I didn't realize that a lot of the cars, just the regular cars take up take a lot of chips as well. Like just your regular cars, not just like your Teslas or your more high tech cars, mm-hmm. but just the model of cars that are made nowadays require a, a lot of chips. So, you know, the chip shortage really isn't going anywhere. And if I look at what Elon was talking about on the earnings call, basically what he said is um, this year is going to be like, it's going to be a good year, but because of the chip shortage, uh, because because of the supply chain issues, because of potentially inflation as well, um, they're just not going to be able to deliver as many as many vehicles. A lot of a lot of car companies, car manufacturers aren't going to be able to deliver as many vehicles because of the chip shortage. It's just it's just a fact, you know. And what's interesting about Tesla is that regardless of all that, they still did really well, you know. Like we, they still did really well in the, in their last quarter, and something that i think a lot of people missed was the fact that they were delivering vehicles right they they've made some significant advancements right they weren't too flashy right like elon didn't come out and say you know our robots are ready to roll out you know did you have a scoop on those robots um i don't really know what they're for to be honest i don't Right? Like, yeah. Man, Elon's predicting like I, <laughs> like a very grim future. He's just the one who's like, yo, these robots, you don't know what they could do. Like, what you see now, yeah, it's like, these will be able to outrun you. Like, <laughs> there's actually some robots in, like, parts of Europe. Like, they're walking around, like, the streets saying, put on, put on your mask. They can spot you from, like, a mile away if you're not wearing Damn. a mask. Yeah. It's like, it's interesting because Elon, I think Elon's um, big vision and what's going to, what's really going to work for Tesla is mm-hmm. them being able to 
take the um the whatever the autonomous driving software and actually like be able to sell that sell that or itself license it like out. license it out yeah so that's that's he's he's definitely been hinting hint, hint, hinting at that and what i what i found really amazing was the fact that they did they did really well this past year on in terms of like you know vehicles and, and all that but they were doing all of that while also building out their infrastructure so their uh what do you call them charging stations they're up almost like 40 percent year over year right so when we talk about all these other car manufacturers that are getting into this space tesla's so far ahead infrastructure wise like the actual like the actual backbone of of um getting a bunch of charging stations out in the u.s like it's it's so interesting you know facts and charging station is interesting because it takes so long to charge a tesla mm. a lot of people don't like the fact that it takes so long shot to spark charge by the way being josh able to Abib, actually man. josh Abib having the actual batteries you in your spark? trunk you know have you heard of spark, spark charge um I, I have a friend who i i believe works there actually i believe he's uh I, th- I think he has a company works, so I think he's VP of engineering actually. Get out of here. Yeah. So, so Josh Abib was on uh, Shark Tank. Okay, okay. Yeah, and he got an investment from Mark Cuban. And we actually had him on the podcast too, so that's why. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Word. And that's also very cool is liking and commenting on this video <laughs> and rating it on Spotify and Apple. Go do that. Leave a comment for Denary. And open a new tab up and shop hustleworthing.co. All right. So. One thing that I do find interesting with, with that and the charging stations is the fact that it takes long and how are we gonna like solve that? How are we gonna actually provide a solution there? Because people don't wanna be at the gas station for an hour. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, some people will charge it at their workplace, but like that's like the only thing like, ah, how are you gonna solve that? It's an, it'll be interesting to see how that actually, um, how that actually plays out. I remember watching a video or um, I think it might have been Steph who was telling me about uh, or showing me a video where it was this girl who rented a Tesla and was trying to drive all the way to uh, Montreal, I think, with it. And the only the only issue they loved the car. The only issue that they had was with the charging. Right. Just trying to figure out, you know, where you were going to charge. And obviously there's those big stretches, especially when you're doing those long uh, road trips mm-hmm. where, you know, you, we have on routes. Right. We have those. Uh, for right for your regular cars, you know that you know you're driving. Yeah, you know something's coming up, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's so is something coming up for your your electric vehicle, right? So we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, man. So looking into the future, you know, where do you see the business going? Where do you see the business um, driving for you for uh, Steph and Dan? For Steph and Dan, where do you see that going in the future? You know, we're we're really excited um, for some of the stuff that we have coming coming up this year. We've We've got a lot of great content. We're trying to we're trying to once again push out more timely content, especially as it relates to finance to financial news. Um, you know, we've we're we're coming back with some more career content as well because you we can't talk about finances without actually talking about the entire picture, right? We've talked about people leaving money on the table um, often in their corporate jobs because they just don't know to negotiate or they don't know how to negotiate. And so when we talk about money, we do want to talk about things from a holistic perspective and just cover everything. So we've got a lot of great things coming up. Um, yeah, we want people to stay tuned and um, yeah, we're, we're excited. We're, ho- we're hoping we're hoping at some point we can actually like meet some of the 
some of the people in our community too. Yeah, do some you of the know? Live shows. Yeah, like that would be that would be really cool. That would be yeah. fire. Yo, what if yeah. you had like a live show, like a live like event where it's like Steph and Dan could have something live. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Axel Rennie could have something live. <laughs> that would be so awesome. Like a whole like the whole, hustle like, fest. Hustle fest, man. You know, you know? what I'm saying? That would be dope. So one thing about the content that you're mentioning is like, yep. from what it sounds like, you're putting out a lot of content each and every day. But how do you balance doing like revenue generating activities where you're forming partnerships with these brands and actually doing the mm-hmm. work to bring the dollars in? Because it's okay to make content, but we need to translate it into dollars. So walk us through that process of getting away from the content, engaging these brands. What are they looking for? Who goes to who? Who you talk to? Got it. Delivery. Give us the give us the whole overview of that side of your business. Yeah, so you know, it's obviously no secret what the typical uh, revenue model is for for people on YouTube. Um, there's usually a number of ways. There's you you have your consistent, hopefully, uh, YouTube revenue that YouTube pays you, and then there's uh, affiliate marketing. So obviously, you know, we work with different brands. For us, it's brands that we support and already use. So, for example, if you want to sign up for um, an investment account, you know, we we already use a, a company like Well Simple. So, you know, we we work with them for affiliate marketing and you get something and we get something. That's that's sort of the vibe. And then when it comes to sponsorships and actual brand partnerships, we try and work with brands once again that we're going to use already or that we actually, and, and you know, I know a lot of creators say this, that they, they want to work with brands that they actually believe in, but we we truly, truly um, try and stay away from any any sort of company that, you know, could mess anyone up, just especially when we're talking about finances, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, usually, usually what happens when we're trying to form these partnerships is a lot of brands actually, we're at a point where they reach out to us and we begin the conversations from there. So let's say such and such financial institution wants to work with us. They have a new product coming out. Um, they'll reach out and, you know, we'll, we'll have our back and forth and yeah, we'll, we'll eventually hop on a call, meet the people, meet the team. And yeah, we'll work, we'll work on creating content that is authentic to us and our community, but highlights whatever it is that they're, they're hoping to push yeah, this is interesting right so a lot of content creators say this <clears throat> we we spoke to other people like who yeah. came on the show who create content yeah they're like i only work with creators i only work with brands that i believe in like that's another thing right there's like this thing and i'm not saying you don't believe in them the, but the cliche, it, it's the cliche. It's like, <laughs> oh, i only work with brands that believe in like they have, we have to have the same core values and everything like that but you can imagine as like a up-and-coming content creator like you need dollars coming in. There's like this, like let's say yep. the X and Y axis. There's mm-hmm. like amount of output of content you're putting out to the dollars coming in, and then you have like external variables like values that you believe in. Yeah. How do you juggle in that? And have you and Steph ever faced that position where because you left your job, so money coming in is extremely crucial. So going back to our earlier conversations when you guys asked me about, you know, our plans to actually getting you know our roadmap to actually getting to the point where we we're going to quit our jobs mm-hmm. that was a big part of it the i integral did integral part of staying true to your exactly exactly i want you know me and steph wanted to make sure that we were in a place financially where there wouldn't come a time where we would need to compromise our integrity and our values 
to push something that we didn't believe in. Mm-hmm. We are we are in a position where we're blessed in the fact that we have savings, right? We don't like truly our goal our goal especially when it comes to YouTube is to get is to get the info out. Um we're in a position financially where we are blessed enough to have the regular recurring revenue where we don't need to rely on, you know, brand sponsorship and deals, right? Like we get the, if I told you the amount of emails that we receive weekly from like different crypto platforms and um, different, uh, just all these random companies, right? On how much? Is it? We, we. What's the average like inbox? Oh, 50, 100? There's at least like, there's at least, I don't know, let's say like five, five companies that email us every day. Damn. Right? Five so different companies. Day. Five different companies, yeah. 25 right and fo- and follow-ups too right mm-hmm. and follow-ups there's oh there's there's always always um emails in the inbox always so just get interesting here what's yeah. the amount of like what's the most you've been offered and <laughs> turned down what's the most we've been offered and turned down um and they're very blatant like hey steph and dennis we will offer you this if you create a video 10 minutes talking about our Create content, introducing our platform, and et cetera. Well, you know, we've been okay. I'll tell you this: we've been, we've been. It won't be the most, but it's it's on the other it's on the other spectrum, right? So you'll get brands that deal with a lot of cre- deal with a lot of creators. So I call it like the Fashion Nova effect, right? It's kind of like I liken it to like that time where you saw all these uh, creaters on on. Um, all you know, the micro pain, the micro influencers the on girls posting it, their fashion over code ex- everything exactly like exactly <laughs> right. So, but basically, what Fashion Nova did is they destroyed the game for all, um, all the creators that they were going to partner with, right? Like, they were paying so little, and so many people were willing to accept so little that if they came, if if you came across, um, if they reached out to you, mm-hmm. and you actually were someone that valued your content and valued your 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 brand and your people. They would they just wouldn't take it because there's 10 other people lined up to accept a hundred dollars for a post mm-hmm. right so you know for example like we've we've had um skillshare is one that that uh, does a lot of deals with a lot of people right and you know for them it's purely 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 metrics based mm-hmm. purely metrics based um, by metrics based you mean that the amount of content creators we get to have codes for Signing up for Skillshare. I, I mean, not like a higher conversion rate by like getting new customers. So they, yeah. Words. So they'll they'll work with any. They'll build. They'll basically work with anyone, right? And on the affiliate side or just sponsorship side. Sponsorship and affiliate side. Gotcha. They'll basically they'll for the most part work with anyone, and they're they lowball you, right? Like they'll tell you, you know, we'll pay you like a hundred and fifty bucks for a video, right? Like if you think about the amount of effort and time that actually goes into it. And once again, like this isn't even a, this isn't even a brand that's actually, in my opinion, offering, you know, like a great deal of value in relation to our content, right? Great brand. They have a lot of great courses, but in terms of our actual content and the value that we think they're going to bring, does it make sense for us to partner with them for that, um, for that amount of money? And also thinking doesn't make the, sense. the lifetime value that piece of content brings them. Yes. Comparison to like the 150 bucks they're paying you. Exactly. Exactly. Like, am I? We're if we're making if we're making evergreen content that 
is going to be around for a long time, they're cons- anyone who clicks that video is consistently going to see this particular brand, right? So that's the bar. Evergreen content is the bar because that piece of content will live on for mm-hmm. years and years and years. So that advertiser is going to be there for years and years and years embedded into your video. So it's like, what is that worth to you? It's not like it's an Instagram post. Mm-hmm. You can post one day and delete the <laughs> next and it's like, all right, there, there you go. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, every content is going to be there forever. So you really got to value that. Absolutely. Yeah. Most yeah. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Facts. All right. So what, what comes to closing these brand deals? You know, what's one thing I can get really commend you for? You've been able to close a lot of brand deals, um, some quality brand deals, you know? What advice do you give to creators that are coming up on closing those quality brand deals? Um, yeah, I think I think what's important is, you know, before we even get to closing, it's un- understanding how to truly value yourself. You know, I get that. I get that for a lot of creators. It's like, you know, um, I heard someone mention that it was like they likened it to like the wild, wild west where no one really knows no one really knows what's going on. A lot of people don't talk, so you're not you're not you're not There's in this no blueprint. Exactly, to show you. exactly. So no, you don't know what such and so, such and such person is charging. Mm-hmm. So, number one, understand that you need to value yourself, and you know, you know how much effort you're you're putting into these videos. And once again, it's not just about effort, but you also know you also value your community. You know how important. Uh, your people are to you. So understanding those two things. Now, when we get into the actual, you know, brand negotiations, if you already value yourself, you're going in strong, right? And for us, you know, there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of learnings along the process. And one thing that I can say is that, you know, we're, we're in this we're in this space where we only wanna we only wanna push out content that's sponsored that stays true to our audience and people. You know, sometimes you'll watch a YouTube video and it'll just seem like forced. Yeah, it'll just seem forced or, or it feels like the entire video was basically crafted by the brand. Mm. Right? Like I you know, I didn't I didn't I didn't leave the corporate world to also then come and share and, and fake sh- the funk. Yeah, and fake the funk and like and like share my message in like this really corporate way, right? Like that's not what the people want. That's not what resonates with the people. So if if we're not dealing with a brand that understands that, then we can't we obviously can't work together. Um but yeah, I think you need to be firm on whatever your whatever your pricing is. Like you need you obviously need to be flexible. Like you need to know the space. Right. You need you. Number one, value yourself. Know the space. Right. Know that you're not. Um, um, don't also don't be scared to like reach out to other people, other creators. Right. That's a that's a big one. Yeah. That's a big one. Can we do something? Can we do like a little exercise of what valuing yourself looks like? Like, for instance, let's say I have. Mm-hmm. Five thousand followers. Yeah. Engaged followers. Let's do a beauty. Oh, what platform? Let's. Like, I think that matters. Is it YouTube? Is it TikTok? Is it Instagram? Let's. Uh, I think Instagram is, is probably an easy one for everyone okay. to, to value. Five thousand followers on Instagram. 
she's a as a woman a beauty advisor or beauty content creator what does valuing yourself look like um when it comes to approaching but let's say sephora wants to do a brand deal mm-hmm. with influencer let's call her sarah right sarah got five thousand followers wants to do a deal with sephora yeah sephora's approaching her what do you think value oh and then of course engagement we're going to talk about that her engagement rate is seven percent which is moderately high yeah for a, a micro influencer like that yep what is a valuable brand deal Let's talk about that. What do you think? What do you think worth would be, in your opinion? Worth, I I definitely don't know dollar value wise, but what I will say is that only like you are the professional, right? So walking into these deals, you can't walk you can't walk into these deals without confidence because at the end of the day, I know my audience better than you than you know them. You're coming to me for a reason. You're coming to me because I have that high engagement. So you're saying they need you more than you need them. 100%. 100%. Especially if you're popping. You're trending. Uh, 100%. Popping, man, trending, man. You're trending. If you're a Sephora, what would you offer her? 5K followers, 7% engagement. Uh, what are we doing? Is it like a post? Uh, that's that's a great question because you guys you have to talk about what the deliverables are yeah okay so let's say i offer this girl two posts on instagram story you know what i'm saying if you were sephora both of y'all i know okay. i think too what would you offer a girl for that in that scenario? and the post is staying there forever sure oh yeah because <laughs> you got me because <laughs> <laughs> i got him last time and I don't know yeah sure. so so post is Word. staying there forever you got real if I'm Sephora and I'm 5K, for all of that, I'd offer her two grand. Two grand? Two grand. What are you doing? The wow. 7% engagement is high, right? If I'm like, if I have like, let's say um, 300 and like six, yeah, like let's say 400 something around there, right? Engagement. That's like potential like lifetime customers for Sephora, right? Like repeat purchases and and fans. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's then. What do you think of that? Actually, no, no, you get your number first, and we'll talk about that. <laughs> and I will get my number after, and we'll talk about each one. <sighs> that's a, this is a tough one. This two is a posts tough and one. a story. Two posts and a story. Ah, uh, that's tough. That's tough. That's tough. Like if I'm if I'm Sephora, like you know, um, I can't imagine I can't imagine they'd offer her more than a grand for a post. No more than a grand. Yeah. Two for two posts in a story. Hmm. For five k. For five k followers. Five k followers. Even with even with that high engagement, right? Like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Hmm. You know, I as a with Sephora, I feel like Sephora does have a little bit more leverage. To be honest with you, I'm saying, I'm saying like seven fifty. Seven fifty for seven fifty, because micro influencers is super small, and there's so many. There's videos. so many of them. Yep. There's so many. You know, like I'll, 
I'm trying to think. If I had like a hundred k budget from Sephora, which is like the average beauty budget, you know, I'd say maybe probably more. But I, we've seen eight hundred k fall for influencer budgets. But I'd say one hundred k. Yeah, as an average influencer budget. So you flip that around, maybe twenty influencers, thirty influencers. Like it's almost a volume game at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Of trying to get as much as you can for yep. that price. So. Yeah, I'm gonna say seven fifty, and then I was trying to negotiate down and expect her to go for a thousand, thousand five max. You know what I'm saying? Man, I just think what like think? if if you're offering that much for what the impact could be, and what each person who converts into a cus- Sephora customer, yeah, because Sephora customers, man, if you look at their business, they're so loyal. Like Sephora's brand, okay, you have Mac, you have a. Uh, Max, uh-huh. and then you have Sephora. Okay. And then, if Sephora's business model is extreme, like attentive to each customer, mm-hmm. you have girls like if you look at like the the floor spacing, they have girls running around like each shift. There's like 20, 25 girls working at a time. Yeah. So like that moment of truth, like you know how Starbucks they have like the moment of truth, like okay, what is like this? Okay, we do this. We, we say your name. We do this. Sephora has their business model, which keeps people coming back. So once they bring in a girl into their ecosystem and you look at the average order value of like purchase, that's like $180 to 200 bucks each girl is spending. Yeah. And then for $750, yeah. come on. But here's the thing, though. Let's keep it a buck. Almost every girl above like the age 18 knows Sephora. You know what I'm saying? So it's like Sephora's like McDonald's. Like everybody knows Sephora. So it's not a, a net new customer yeah. gain. It's a re-engagement with mm. that customer. So they're gonna be more like, oh my God, Sarah got a Sephora deal yeah. versus like, what's Sephora? No <laughs> ain't nobody like what's Sephora. True, true. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. They're all like, oh, <laughs> she got a Sephora deal. You know what I'm saying? It's For, kinda like, oh, you're legit now. You got a Sephora it's, deal. It's more well, it's more Well, I you think know? I think it's like a, stamp of approval. I think a really great example is um with jury right and what they've been doing with a lot of the girls right um they've reached out to a ton of girls that are under like 5k 10k mm-hmm. right and they just send them jewelry mm-hmm. right they send them jewelry they say hey we'll send you jewelry and just we just ask that you take a photo and share it that's it that's it that's what that's been that's literally been their entire game plan Damn. and their jewelry costs you know if we, re- if we really break it down like it's like it's it's not worth that much, right? Really? Yeah. Like if you like what they're from what they're asking you to choose from, it's gonna be their um it's not gonna be like the greatest thing the, the greatest things from their site, right? But at the end of the day, if you're looking at a lot of a lot of the micro influencers, um, especially the girls in this space, a lot of them are gonna get very excited mm-hmm. uh, by this brand reaching out to them, which is another thing. That's another conversation to have, right? You shouldn't feel, and I, you know, me and Steph have had this conversation so many times. You shouldn't feel honored, like it's it's an it's an honor that this person, this this brand has reached out to me. Like, thank you so much, you know. Yeah. Like it's it, you you got to look at it like business, yeah. you know. We even do that in sales, there's, right? You know, there's two parties here, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> like in sales, they say if you're talking to a CEO, even if you're a junior, you can't make yourself feel like a junior talking to the ceo because he's gonna make you feel a hundred percent so even if you're like an account executive <laughs> like you know i work in partnerships i approach every conversation 
as if I'm on your level too. Like it's like called it's something called maintaining frame. Mm-hmm. So it's like you go into the situation maintaining frame, and this is applicable to also influences too. Like I have equity into the thing that I'm doing for you. Yeah. So let's actually talk accordingly. Yeah. Hmm. And you know, I wanted I wanted to add something else to that conversation around like you know, actually doing deals, make sure you guys are reading your contracts. Thanks. Make sure you're reading your contracts. Um, it's so, so, so important. If you don't, if you're not reading them at this point, you are going to learn the hard way mm-hmm. and you're going to, yeah. Do you have a, do you have a lawyer too? Like for that at this, at this stage? Yeah. So we, um, I reached out to, to Alex and I, and I asked him for a lawyer that he had dealt with. So he um he recommended a lawyer and we reached out to them and that's who we're working with now. Andrew Henry? Yeah. Shut yeah. up, yeah. Andrew Henry. Yeah. Bro, this is what we do creating community. <laughs> ecosystem. <laughs> that Alex, bro. bring that in, bro. We're doing <laughs> we're doing God's work, bro. We're doing bro, God's work. Shout out to that, man. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Shout out to Andrew Henry. So we need to we should go deeper there because a lot of entrepreneurs can't afford you know, that lawyer for that first contract, maybe till they get paid. Yeah. Some of the things to look out for that I, I know off top and feel free to add on here. Yeah. One is perpetuity, usage rights. Mm-hmm. Um, what another one is repurposing, mm-hmm. you know, there's three main things. Anything y'all want to add? Termination. 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 Payment, payment process, net 30, net 15. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, termination wise, like you make sure that it says, you know, that both parties can terminate. It's not just they have all the leverage, right? Mm, Got you. Termination clause. You can just terminate at any time, type of thing. Okay. Big or whatever jumps. works, whatever makes sense, right? Yeah. So for your deal, what's the longest deal you've ever done as a sponsor? Um, longest deal you've ever done. So we've done, I think. Like a f- four month long deal where we did um, like a video sponsorship or for each month, something like that. Um, but we have a we have a deal coming up soon that we'll eventually announce on the channel once it comes. But yeah, it's gonna be uh, like a half year long, like a six month long deal. Yeah, we're super, super excited about that one. One thing you've been talking about is like investing is a lot of people need to grow their income more uh, instead of like looking at investing at what you have because it doesn't really make a difference. Uh, I find this really profound and I thought like I could bring this up to you. Like what led you to this instead of, hey, invest your money and whatever. Uh, what really inspired you and Steph to start talking about this more in, in terms of growing your income so you can actually reap the benefits of what you invest? I just think it's really important to give to give game that's actually making an impact, right? You know, if I look at the if I look at the finance space and I look at uh, what other creators are talking about, sure, it's great for people to have the knowledge of you know, um, put your fu- put your money in broad market funds, um, invest for the long term. All that is great, and that's what you should be doing. But if you look at if you look at the people you're actually watching online, especially when we're talking about the finance space. How are they able to make all of this happen? How are they? How have how have a lot of these people been able to grow their wealth so significantly? It's because they've been able to grow their income, right? And then poured back, poured all that money back into their core investments, right? So your core investments should be those long-term uh, broad market funds, like we preach. But at the end of the day, 
you know, you can only cut so many costs, mm -hmm. right? You only have so much wiggle room to like actually create a dent in your budget in terms of cost cutting. At some point, you're going to need to figure out a way to actually earn more income so that you can then take that income and then invest it properly, right? That's just, that's just something that I think is really easy free game that a lot of people just don't talk about. And this also goes with budgeting as well, right? We talk mm -hmm. about, hey, you know, people think budgeting is a secret. You need to be doing, oh, I need to budget. I need to like do this. But no, you don't need to be budgeting. You need to find a way to make more money so you can actually enjoy the things that you enjoy to be able to save more money, to actually feel as if like I'm actually getting a, yeah, a, I'm getting something from actually doing this budget. Because if you budget like and you're making, let's say, a regular income, you got rent, you got mm -hmm. your phone bill, you got heating. You only have so much money to play with that it doesn't even make sense to budget. It should just be focused on making more money. So if we're talking about cost cutting, right? Like I think there was some sort of study that was done where they looked at, you know, I'm sure we've all heard of like the latte effect and like, you know, people constantly talking about and preaching about the price of a dollar. Yeah. A yeah. Like, you know, if you spent this much, this much money on your latte, had you invested that money, you would have this amount of money, right? Dave Ramsey is one of the big people that talks about that. And yep. what's interesting is that we've taken the approach of like, you don't have to cut out the things that you truly want and value. But, and, and what's interesting is that those things don't necessarily make the biggest dent, mm -hmm. right? It's the big ticket items. So for example, your housing, mm -hmm. right? Your housing is one of the biggest categories that you're going to have in your budget. If you can actually figure out a way to um, cut the cost on your housing, that will make a bigger dent than you not drinking your coffee every every single day or buying a coffee every single day, right? And once we once we tackle that, then we need to get into to actually talking about how you're actually going to grow your income and make more money. Mm -hmm. Like at the at the end of the day, like our our goals personally, me and Steph, is is um, financial freedom. Right. That's that's one of our biggest goals and financial security. So when I think of financial security like that, for me, it isn't just, you know, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure if I said that, said this on a recent quick take, but, you know, it's it's one of my goals to be rich. And for me, being rich doesn't mean me, you know, going out and buying Lambos and Ferraris and driving around and like buying all this expensive stuff. It truly just means being financially secure and being and knowing that you know, this big category that a lot of people have that a lot of people struggle with and is the root of a lot of problems in many families, households, right? I think it was Kevin Hart that talked about this, right? If you can, if you can figure out a way out of, you know, um, you know, just not having enough money to actually support your family and, and, and things of that nature, like you're going to be, for, you're going to be so much you're going to be so much happier, right? Like sure, money doesn't buy happiness, but you know, when you have that comfort of not of knowing that financially you don't have this burden, you know, it makes things a little bit easier. Yeah. 100%. So, when it comes to that money, how much revenue streams do you have? How many revenue streams do we have? Yeah. Um, that's a good question actually. Let me let me count actually. So, um, we have we have our YouTube channel that that does pay us money. We have our affiliate marketing. We have our uh, brand sponsorships. Mm -hmm. What else do we have? Um, 
we're currently working on some paid products that we're going to be releasing. Um, what else do we have? We also have our money from investments that generates um, a little bit of income as well. So I would say around five, five revenue streams. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And coming back to the revenue streams, I'm personally like to your own like financial journey. Yeah. You paid off about $30,000 in debt. I paid off about $45,000 in debt. $45,000 <laughs> and from the aggression yeah. point, what was that aggression point? But like complete, like how much money did you have when you were going aggressively to pay off? Okay. So uh, like, you mean like how much money I was dedicating, for well, example, like a month? Well, how much like, of your debt did you have left? And like when you decided I'm going to pay this aggressively, how much do you have in debt to, to, to continue paying aggressively? To I just, I decided that I was going to pay off my debt aggressively when I graduated university. Well, at 45. So, so at that point I had, yeah, I had $45,000 that I need, that I needed to pay off and I dedicated how much did I dedicate? Wow. It feels like forever, but it was only a year ago. Um, I believe I dedicated like $1,400 a month, $1,400 a month to pay it off. And then obviously like, you know, some things come up, right? Like, let's say you, um, you need to go to the dentist and your insurance doesn't cover everything. Then you can't necessarily dedicate that much for that month. But for the most part, like I, I really aggressively paid it off and keep in mind, like I didn't have a really big income, right? So, I think I think if we're talking cash flow, I had after paying off all my major expenses and my debt, I only had I think about two hundred dollars left over. That's the only reason why I was saying that because I knew that was, was tight. It was very tight. I was running a, I was running a very tight budget, but you know this was a person this was a personal goal for me, and you know we get a lot of people messaging us you know, asking. You know, should I pay off my debt uh, ra uh, as quickly as you did? Should I invest because I can earn more in the in the market? At the end of the day, and you know, obviously I don't follow everything that Dave Ramsey says. What I do think is very important to understand, though, is that for the masses who aren't the exception, who aren't actually going to be that diligent in tracking everything about their finances you should get your debt paid off, right? And the reason that I say that is because, sure, mathematically, you might earn more in the market, but that individual who is actually earning more in the market while still paying off a little bit of their debt at the same time is someone who actually is diligent in what they're doing, right? It's kind of like credit card churning. That that was a big wave at some point. Really big. But the downsides of credit card churning is that it hit the masses and what you had was a lot of people just signing up for a bunch of credit cards that had no business signing up for credit cards. If you look at someone who actually was proper, properly churning um, credit cards to their benefit, they were running like, you know, for example, like an Excel document where they were keeping track of every single card. Mm -hmm. Is that going to be the masses? No. Right. So if we're giving if we're giving um, if we're giving value in content for the broad the a broad range of people you need to make sure that you're keeping in mind that most m most people are not the exception mm. right mm -hmm. <clears throat> there's one guy um bill A bill ackman bill ackman yep i know bill uh, ackman. pershing pershing square capital yeah he had this video of uh you know teaching about investing and one thing he was talking about was 
you know, you should not really start investing if you have debt. Um, because if you look at like the amount of interest you're going to be paying on the debt compared to like trying to chase off, trying to chase gains in the market, mm -hmm. it doesn't really make sense because, yep. you know, if you look at like the, the present value of the debt compared to the future value of what you're going to be paying off in interest, it doesn't really matter. Even if you like, let's say on an average return rate of like 8%. Yep. It's not going to make sense for you to invest the money. It's actually smarter for you to aggressively pay off the debt like you did. Absolutely. Because, you know, it, it, it doesn't, at the end of it, if you even make money, like the, the interest over time is going to be more than what you have made over that like average market year in the market. Yeah. I, so, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I think a lot of people also just underestimate um, the amount of, uh, is it underestimate? I just think people don't really think about how how much life they have to live. And when you say you have this student loan debt, like if you just aggressively paid it off, you're going to you're going to be done so quickly and you're going to be you're going to have moved on with your life, right? It's kind of funny because when you're in it, you also don't realize it. Like when I was aggressively paying it off, it felt like time was just like frozen. Mm. Right. If it literally felt like time was frozen, because if you think about it, all I was running such a tight budget that there wasn't that much for me to play play with. Right. And when you're when we're living in today in um, in the day and age where people are on IG, they're showing all these restaurants that they're going to. Right. Like I used to ask Steph, I used to be like, where did these people get this money from? <laughs> right. You like see all, where, them, all them things out there at like Carbone yeah. and like yes, you know, you know what is like people, Valdez people going to people going on these vacations and I'm like yo where does this money come from Hotel X a lot of girls are playing hangman <laughs> what does that mean <laughs> hangman is when they show a little hand in the photo in the you know in the video okay yeah, yeah, yeah. showing the whole body of the guy who's actually paying who's the financing bill. the whole thing <laughs> you know what i'm saying they're paying hang yeah man. but bro you might get in trouble by saying that because a lot of these girls these days are gonna be like oh yeah like i'll make my own money like for you to say like i need a man like you know there's gonna be that crowd that no, like you know to be fair saying? there's a lot of girls who yeah. are paying the bill themselves you know let's be let's be fair and there's also a lot of girls who are going on dates with guys and they're getting food from them. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a, a bevy of women who will go out on dates for the food and for the experience. Part of me, so that's just what it is. You know, then I, I prefer a little bit right here. Right? Oh yeah, you know but uh, yeah, man. Uh, working towards wrapping up. What advice do you have for entrepreneurs looking to pay off their bills? and invest in the stock market because you were doing that too right mm -hmm. you weren't just paying off your student loans alone you were also investing in the stock market no well, no right? i was i was completely just focused on paying off my debt yep. no stock markets no reits no nothing no nope. interesting yep. so so when you finished paying off your debt um what did you have in investments was your investment portfolio at zero so here's here's because it sounds like you're up again yeah i am so i am up and the reason i'm up is because so this goes back to me and Steph talking about like this whole holistic view of money and the beauty in like me aggressively paying off my debt when I was making like next to nothing on my starting salary um, at work was that by the time I finished paying it off, I was still working hard at work. I was still, um, I'd gotten promoted. I'd gotten bonuses. So 
you know, I was, by the time I finished paying it off, I was in this position where like I had, you know, more money, right? All of a sudden it's like, it's like you're done your debt, you're paying it aggressively. And then it's like, wow, I have so much more money now. And for a lot of people, what they do is they're like, cool, like I can now go spend. But my thoughts, my thoughts was, were always on once I'm done, like I feel so excited to just like get my money in the market, right? Time so gains, man. yeah, like for, you know, when, um, you know, when I was still, when I was still working in corporate, like in a very short period of time, like all of a sudden I had, for example, like 10K in my bank account. And I was like, okay, wow. Like this is, this is amazing. Now I can start to, um, you know, I can start dedicating a good portion of my, my, my monthly income to my investments. And luckily enough, right? Like I had the foresight of, you know, putting a good, chunk of that money into those broad market funds like we always talk about mm -hmm. so you know when we're looking at you know like we're like our co earlier conversation when we're talking about facebook tesla this this and that and we're seeing all these um uh, technology companies you know paypal all of them just come back to earth from mars you know i didn't have a lot of my portfolio um invested in that right like i had some growth stocks that have done not so good but once again, the majority of my money was in those broad market funds. Mm. And, and, you know, to go back to your point, Alex, like, I think, I think it's really important, especially if you're someone who is an entrepreneur and you are growing your income, make sure you're, make sure you're, um, you're dumping your, the money that you're earning back into your investments and your investments can mean back into your business. So that's one and getting into the stock market. And investing in those broad market funds so for us right now like we were, we're we technically took a pay cut on paper um in terms of what we're actually paying ourselves out right now mm -hmm. but we're also investing heavily into our business right and then what we're not investing into our business is going into the market into those broad market funds so that's that's what's up no that's beautiful so working towards wrapping up what advice would you give to the person trying to budget and save to get to that point where they're debt free? I would say, I would say, you know, it's, I understand that it's really tough, especially when you're in, when you're deep into it. But if you can, if you can stay dedicated to whatever your goal is and just keep, keep pushing, like the, I can't even explain the feeling of just like being debt free and knowing that I'm at zero. Like it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a funny thought when knowing they're celebrating that you're at zero, but it's like, sure. My net worth is zero right now, but like I have worked so hard to get to this point, you know, and the amount of, the amount of just confidence that you have in yourself, especially, especially if you're doing the work during that time to also learn more about investing so that once you get to that point where you are debt free and you're looking to invest your money, you actually have a general idea of where you want to put that money. That's good. That's good. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a lot of discipline, man. And you know, to tell you in person, not a lot of people have the guts to do that. Right? <laughs> we all have squirrel syndrome. We all want to just see, oh man, trip to uh, Cancun, trip yeah. to whatever. That's like three k right there. There's this like actually another millennial money. This chick, I don't know if you if you saw it, but 
it was like this girl from Atlanta. She did physiotherapy. Uh, she's making about like 90K a year. And she okay. has like 200K in debt. But I'm going to send you this video. <laughs> it was disgusting. Yeah. I was just like, how are you spending all this money? And it was like that, again, millennial mindset. Well, if you have debt, you don't have to pay it all at once. You can just like pay the down payment. Yeah. And you can afford to take this car loan. Oh, you know, my boyfriend pays for my dinner. So it's okay on that. He takes care of my food. I was losing it, right? And then you know what's funny? Kevin Samuels did a video on this thing. No way. Yeah, wow. it was hilarious. But you know, you're kind of yeah. like one of like a like you're like a unicorn in this space because people our age, man, it's so easy just to get that shiny object syndrome after graduating from putting all this work. You're like, oh, I got the big job at KPMG. Let me, yeah, let me get this nice condo and everything. Let me go get this car. Let me take this trip. But you can actually kill that debt in like two years if you really dedicate it. Because if you, you said again, you have a long life to live. You can do so much after you pay off your debt. You don't have to do the minimum route. And, and just... Well, yeah, like two years, two, dedicating two years of aggressively paying off your debt is so minuscule in the grand scheme of things, especially if you're, do, you know, doing the work to actually learn more. And once again, like, it's not even like, it's not even like an all or nothing thing when it comes to in you know paying off your debt and investing right like like i said when me and steph look at for example like what dave ramsey preaches where it's like you know um i forget what saying he has but it's like basically uh eat eat you know rice and beans beans and rice or whatever right for however long right i don't necessarily think that you know i don't necessarily i don't necessarily think that there's a one size fits all way of doing this whole personal finance thing like that's why it's called personal finance but i think it's important for you to check yourself when you're not hitting your goals and you do you need to acknowledge why it is that you're not hitting your goals mm. right like it takes it takes a bit of self-reflection but at the end of the at the end of the day the north star is is you is future you balances balance is the name of the game we're not telling you to like go all out and just like you know you gotta you gotta live like you gotta live like shit for you know x number of years right balance is the name of the game whatever your whatever your balance is and as long as you're hitting your targets like who cares mm -hmm. facts what books would you suggest our audience read um cool yeah so some of the books that i've read you know i'm sure it's not going to be any surprise for anyone who uh who's who's tapped into like personal finance stuff but it's a uh, rich dad poor dad great book um the wealthy barber great book uh, think and grow rich great book um for for people who are looking to learn more about like the markets and looking to um looking for a more i'd, I'd say like advanced approach to investing and learning more about like value investing and the method to the madness behind like Warren Buffett, for example, um, what's it called? Benjamin Graham's, intelligent uh, the intelligent investor. It's, it might be a tougher read for some people, but I think it's a book that, you know, you just have to consistently keep going back to. Um, but yeah, it's a really great book. One thing I would add on is get good with money by budgetista Tiffany Aliche. That was a good book as well. Shout out to the Budgetista. If you haven't watched the episode, I would highly suggest go check out the episode on Hustle Over Everything. Yeah, you remember um, what episode that was? Uh, it was like in the 100s. It was in the 100s. Yeah. 
I'll check that one out. Also, want to add, I'll teach you how to be rich by Ramit Sethi. That's also another masterful book to check out to really understand how to utilize your credit, utilize your different accounts to get the best bang out of your money, and also build your wealth over time by utilizing those strategies. So, definitely peep uh, Ramit Sethi's book. I've heard it's a really great book, actually. Yeah, yeah. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps the podcast. The hustle is what you control. So control your grind and control your life. Hold up. Then where can people find you? Uh, people can find myself and Steph at Steph and Den on YouTube. Steph, just type in Steph and Den money tips on TikTok. And we're also on Instagram, Steph and Den. You know the vibes. Let's get it. Let's go. You know the vibes. Let's go. <laughs> go. Let's go. go. <laughs> I'm Alex. And I'm Owen. And I'm Dennis. And that's Hustle of Everything, y'all. Peace. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Thank you so much for listening. The conversation continues on our Instagram at 247Hustler. We post very frequently. And be sure to check out our merch at hustleovereverything.co. We have some amazing sweaters, hats, mugs, and a lot more. Lastly, our Proud to Pay program is linked in the description below. Thank you so much for your support. Talk to you next Monday. Peace.